Would you pray with me for a moment? Loving God, speak to us once again your word of grace, your word of love. May it bear fruit in our hearts. May it challenge us and transform us that we may be doers and not just hearers. And so it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So, I love bumper stickers, right? Sometimes I'm driving around and I like seeing the messages that people have um, just behind their bumpers, right? Their cars. I feel like I get to know them a little bit just while I'm waiting for the light, the traffic light to change. Some of them are pretty outrageous. Some of them are pretty funny. One has stuck over with me for a long time now. Um, and I saw this and it just kind of made me think. It said, Jesus is coming. Look busy. <laughs> and I thought it was pretty funny, right? But as I do sometimes, I, I started overthinking. And I, and I was like, okay, so what's really funny about it? Because sometimes jokes, behind a joke, there's some, some truth to it that, that makes us think, right? And so, yeah, so Jesus is coming, look busy. Um, and I started thinking about um, the kind of relationships that we, the kind of relationship that we may have with God and Jesus. So then I imagine Jesus as being this boss figure that is expecting us to be busy and do what we're supposed to do. Does that mean? I hope not. All right. And what was the microphone? Um, so my sense is that for some people, God is a bit of a boss figure. <clears throat> God is the boss who gives you the commandments, which are a bit of a to-do list. You know, you check them off. You know, do not lie. I didn't lie today. Check. Haven't killed somebody yet. Check. You know, all those things that we uh, have this to-do list, and if you don't do your work, some people would say, this boss will get you fired, right? Like, literally. Um, this, is, this is a real mentality, I think, within some churches. So every time I have an opportunity to preach about rest and about Sabbath, I take that opportunity just because of how important it is not just for pastors and leaders, but just the church in general. So let's talk about Sabbath and rest for a little bit, okay? What does rest look like for you? What do you do? How do you, what, when you take some time out, what do you like doing? You can talk, by the way. Read, you like reading? Yes. Taking a nap, yeah, reading is important. Run? I feel like that would be a, the opposite of what I would do, but I can see that for some people. Yeah. Anybody else? Get your lazy boy. Yeah. Yeah, sit down. Yeah, absolutely. So we have different things and we approach rest in, in different ways. Um, how often do we do it? Do we do it every, every day, every week? Um, 
when I read passages like this one, when I glean from these passages, is that God is not our boss figure. Rather, God takes care of us and cares for our well-being. God wants us to be in a good place. Um, and as Christians, we need to be comfortable with, with the idea of rest and Sabbath. Take this passage that we just read for, for just a moment. <clears throat> Jesus is saying, we're reading about all these expectations that people had about Jesus, about um, John the Baptist, right? and how difficult it is to please people. Well, this person, he has a demon. This person is lazy. This person is a glutton and a drunkard, right? a drunk. And when I think about that, I realize that it's, it's, it's one of the things that I'm learning about is that it's hard to keep everybody happy all the time. Now I tell people I'm still at a point in my ministry where I want people to like me. Uh, but I have found that that's not always the case. Sometimes I'll say something or do something where now I'll disagree with people. So I'm learning that it's more about how we express our disagreements and how we deal with those things that we differ on, right? And then Jesus says, and then we read that um, Jesus brings rest. Jesus wants us to rest. Come to me if you're tired. Come to me if you're exhausted. I will give you a rest. What does that mean when we read that about Jesus? When I read this, one, one of the things that I realize is that the idea, the Jesus idea of rest is very different from the idea of the Pharisees. The, the idea the Pharisees had about rest. Rest had become, and if you keep reading just right after this passage, you'll realize uh, keeping the Sabbath for the Pharisees had become something that you hold against people. See what this person is doing during the Sabbath. There's no healing people during the Sabbath. There's no working during the Sabbath. But Jesus understood rest in a different way. So I want us to think about that and understand that I feel, I feel like, particularly in our time, in our culture, it's, uh, people don't understand very well what rest is. I've, I've had some conversations with people who talk about rest like it's a bad thing. You know people like that? I know pastors like that. Don't tell anybody. People sometimes brag about all the work that they do. Oh, I haven't had a week off in years. I find that fascinating. It's, it almost sounds like I said, like they're bragging. And, and, and I've had conversations with parents that seem to be extending this mentality to their kids. The kids are so busy these days extracurricular activities all the time. I, I, and I remember having this conversation with a friend and, and their, uh, her kids were so young and said, well, if they want to get to a nice college, they have to start doing this and, and playing this sports. And, and I'm like, oh man. And then I have heard people tell me about how colleges used to be about building character and curiosity in people. 
whereas now people seem to go to college mostly to get a job. This is the job that I want to get. So you've got to college for it. And so it seems that it's never, it never stops. That circle, that cycle never stops. Well, maybe when you retire, that cycle will stop. I hope so anyways. I've heard great things about retirement. I'm looking forward to it. Only 34 more years, but who's counting? <laughs> who's counting? Not me. <laughs> In any case, I mean, work has become such an important part of life, and and and, and to that to the extent when people when people want to know what you what your work, what your job is, they ask you, what do you do for a living? And friends, I think that that's a different question. That should be a different thing. What you do for a living goes way beyond the job that you have, or the work that you do, or, or the things that keep you busy during the day. And so I'm learning as a pastor that yes, what I do is very important, but the time that I take to rest, the time that I take to be with my family, to learn, to grow, I do those things for a living as well. I do, I do those things for to, to, to stay engaged, to stay healthy, to keep growing. Like I said, very difficult thing for understand, even for, to understand even for pastors. The reality is that the church can be very consuming. Part of why I love my job is that there's always something new. It's not a boring job at all. It's never boring. And in the church, I've found there's all kinds of different work. There's uh, there's urgent work, there's important work, right? And so what's urgent, it's always important. But what's important, it's not always urgent. So I have to be mindful of those things that I need to uh, look, look at the long term, build those relationships and work now knowing that I may not see the result of my work. But at the same time, it's so easy to be consumed by it. John Wesley famously said, um, the church, uh, the world is my parish. Have you heard that phrase before? The world is my parish. I think a lot of pastors have turned that around to say, the parish is my world. It consumes me. The church is all I do. The church is where I find myself being busy. But we have to be mindful. Here's something I found in, on, on the internet in one of our conferences website. It says, As the, as the demands and polarization of many congregations escalate, social shifts continue unabated and pastors grow more isolated. A perfect ministry storm for burnout has moved in. Have you had a pastor who's burned out? How do you know when your pastor is burned out? Do pastors burn out? Someone saying no? <laughs> they don't burn out. An astonishing 40% of pastors now show a high risk of burnout. That's an almost 400% increase since 2015 when that number was 11%. Among pastors who are considering quitting, burning risks, uh, burn, burnout risk skyrockets to 69%. But 21% of pastors who are not seriously thinking of leaving ministry are still at high risk of burnout. 
something for us to consider is that not all pastors struggle at the same level. Two trends are emerging. According to the latest research, the younger the pastor is, the deeper the struggle is. Only 35% of pastors under the age of 45 are very satisfied with their vocation as a pastor, compared to 58% of those who are 45 and older. Women have also been hit hard by discouragement in ministry. 52% of male pastors say they are just as confident about their calling as when they started. Only 42% of women express the same confidence. Pastor friends, pastors don't feel supported at their churches. Are we listening? Are we listening? Are you with me? If you're waiting for a pastor to go to you and say, I feel so exhausted. Sometimes it won't, it won't come out like that in words. Because sometimes we're bad at expressing things like that. Sometimes what we have to do is take the initiative and go to a pastor and say, how are you doing? How can I help? How can I join you in this ministry work that you're doing? Part of what I'm saying, friends, is that we have to take care of ourselves and we have to take care of each other. At some point, we need to learn to silence those voices that require so much of us. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We just read a moment ago. We wailed and you did not mourn. These are the practices that the children would do during weddings and funerals at the time. But there's always a sense of expectation. And Jesus is saying the church can be like that. There's always an expectation of something. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and say, they say, Look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. I remember speaking with a, a professor of mine a long time ago, and he said something that stuck with me as well. He, he said, I reserve the right to disappoint people. And I've tried to adopt that in my life, to be honest with you. Because I've, I've, I've realized, like I said before, that I can't make everybody happy all the time. Sometimes I feel like I can make people happy a little bit of time, but not all the time. And I've understood that that's going to be a constant reality in my journey. So I'll tell you right now, this is my second Sunday, so I'll tell you right now, if you expect perfection from me, you may be disappointed. And that's okay. I'm on a journey. I'm learning. I'm trying. But there will be times when my limitations will become evident to you. My prayer and my hope, friends, is that at that time, you will extend grace to me. Here's my, um, uh, my hope as well, and my commitment to you, is that when your limitations become apparent, I will extend that grace to you as well. Because I know that every single one of us, we're on a journey, 
I don't expect perfect people in this place. I think we're people who are on a journey, we're people who are learning, and friends, we're in this together. So I want you to, I want you to say that with me. Can you say it with me? I reserve the right, reserve the right to disappoint people. Once we embrace that, friends, that can be very liberating. So I'll, I'll try to practice that. I had a, I heard the story of a pastor who, <laughs> who was very, very hardworking individual. And he would always tell his uh, congregants, you know, I don't take a day off because the devil never takes a day off. Someone finally approached him and said, Pastor, I, I, I think you need new role models. <laughs> the devil may not take a day off. Guess who takes a day off? God. So we have to we have to really be intentional and think of rest as a spiritual discipline. Who knows what a, a spiritual discipline is? Who can tell me what a spiritual discipline? Name a spiritual discipline. Prayer. Prayer. Bible study. Walking a labyrinth. Walking a labyrinth, fasting. What, what, what do these things have in common? These are things that you do, Meditation. right? What's that? Meditation. Meditation, yeah. These are things that you do. You, you incorporate that into your routine. And hopefully this, there's a didactic element to these. What, what that means is that you're doing these things and you're learning things by practicing. Okay? So I do believe that rest, friends, is a spiritual discipline. And we have to appreciate it as such. God invites us to take some time off. God invites us but it, to, to, to really take the time to appreciate um, or find ways to connect with God and other people. And a spiritual discipline requires intentionality. You really have to do the work to take some time off. So friends, hear the good news. God is not your boss. Can you say amen? amen? God does not require you to do everything and know everything and be uh, completely perfect about everything. But God wants to be with you in that journey as you learn and grow. Yeah, we can, we can rest. We can slow down. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. We are accepted, friends, as we are with our limitations, with our shortcomings, with our whole human complexity. One of my favorite lines in the song is, God doesn't love you because of who you are. God loves you because of who he is. And when we understand that, we can come to God as we are, put our burdens in front of, at, at the feet of Jesus, and rest. Let's pray. Loving God, some of the, 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 the messages that we receive are simple. But we understand that simple does not always mean easy. We understand that it's important for us to take rest, 
help us be intentional in, in, in seeing rest as a spiritual discipline. Help us take the time. Help us take the time to connect with you and with each other. Help us uh, silence those voices that are always expecting more and more and more from us. And then just come to you as we are, knowing that, you, that we are accepted. Loving God, we, we thank you for this, for this opportunity. We thank you for this message. Help us live it. Help us embody that message of, of, of rest in ourselves and be there for other people as well. Other people who may need to hear these words. Other people who may need uh, so a, a helping hand or a loving word or a place to rest. All of this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And God's people say, Amen. Amen.